Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. I want to just, I got a word I want to share tonight, and then I want to, I want us to have time to, to gather around the altar and pray. Because I'll tell you what I, I really feel tonight. I really feel tonight that that this body of believers, the plan that God has for this body, is that we're we're pushing. We're pushing and we're having to press. But it's, it's not like this tonight. That you might look around and you might say, well, there's not a lot of people here. But it's not like this tonight that God does things in the spiritual realm that we're not able to see with our eyes, but yet God is doing something. And I believe tonight is, is that night that God is breaking down some things. I believe he's breaking down some things that have been holding us back. And so tonight, that's the reason that I, I just felt so led uh, Monday to call this a breakthrough night. Because I don't know where you are and I don't know what you've been dealing with, but I can tell you this, that I believe that God wants to bring a breakthrough into your life. And I believe that God wants to do something in your life that you've not been able to do yourself. But here's the thing. The key to it is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's a relationship that carries us, that we carry throughout the week and throughout the month. It's a relationship that I make up my mind that I'm giving myself over and I'm coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. So tonight, I believe that breakthrough is going to come. I believe that God's going to bring it. I believe that you've, you've prayed and you've asked and I believe God's going to send it tonight in the name of Jesus. I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, tonight, my breakthrough is here. What I've been asking for, what I've been needing, is here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, Sister Sandy, worship team. I know it's, come on, yeah, give them a hand. I know it's kind of uh, breaking them out of the usual to get them, get them up on the stage on Wednesday night. But God is good. Amen. Amen. All the time. Amen. I want you to, uh, if you will, uh, you can go ahead and take your seat because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay on task. I've got, uh, I've got kind of a, a semi-outline, and I'm going to try to stay on task for, because I don't want to be long. But I told you Sunday morning that I really felt that this was a word that God had given us, uh, and, and so I want to just give it to you tonight because get, I get these words. God deals with me about something. And, and it's very uncomfortable to have to tote it around and not release it. So uh, we're going to release it tonight. Uh, I want to I just talk to you for just a few minutes on this subject. Trouble and triumph. Trouble and triumph. I think the most important thing for us in, in the middle of trouble in order to see triumph 
is that we need to recognize or discern the season that we're in. Now, that, we can, we can, that can be a broad range to discern the season that you're in. Where are you? What is going on in your life right now? Maybe, maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's, it's got to do with the, the community. Maybe it's got to do with school or, or something like that. But what season are you in? Are you in a season of struggle? Or are you in a season of, of oppression or depression? Are you battling with some things that, that you can't seem to overcome? What season are you in? It's, it's important to recognize the season and be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. God, I'm in a season where I feel like you're, you're, you're nowhere around. God, I feel like I'm in a season where I, it's dry. I feel like I'm in a desert somewhere. Or maybe you feel like, uh, man, I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been. I don't know. But, but I do know that for the most part, all of us have been in a season of struggle. And so I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and and. Uh, I want to just kind of run through until we get down to verse 31 and uh, just share with you some things that Holy Spirit has, has dealt with me about. Uh, in Luke chapter 22, beginning with, with verse 1, uh, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And, and I'm going to stop right there. We're just going to kind of paraphrase to save time. But I want you to notice that uh, the first verse, it was the feast of unleavened bread that was drawing nigh, which is called the Passover. According to the timeline of this chapter, this took place on a Thursday evening uh, before uh, Christ's crucifixion the following day. So if this was on a Thursday evening, the, the Passover was being prepared, the Passover lamb was being prepared, and uh, everybody, Jesus, uh, will see on down where Jesus sent uh, his disciples to find a place to prepare the Passover. And so uh, they were in the process of this preparation. Uh, the Bible says in verse 2 that, Chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill Jesus or kill him, for they feared the people. And then the Bible says that in verse 3, that then entered Satan uh, into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And, uh, but let's skip on down uh, to verse 7, uh, that it says that then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And so they went into the city. Uh, they found a place uh, for the Passover. And so they began to prepare uh, for the Passover. Now here's what I want you to get. They were preparing for the Passover just as they had done for thousands of years. But the difference in this Passover and the Passovers before was that Jesus, the Passover lamb, was going to be in this Passover. Jesus was preparing his disciples to understand that the Passover is, is making a transition. There's a transition that's going to happen here. For the first time ever, for the first time ever, Jesus is present, and now the Passover lamb will be himself, and it will become the Lord's Supper, and the Passover uh, will be uh, according to the Jewish tradition, but the Lord's Supper will be instituted on this night that you and I celebrate uh, now. 
And so as I was thinking about that, the Lord began to deal with me about there was a change that was taking place on that night. There was a shift that was taking place. Uh, the old uh, ways of doing things were about to change, and there was a shift that was taking place. And I felt as I was looking at that, uh, that I felt Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying this, I am moving and I'm transitioning. There's a fresh wind that is blowing even now. Just as things have changed in the natural, God said, I am going to make some changes in the supernatural. So I want to repeat that again. I believe that Holy Spirit was speaking to me and saying this, that I am moving and I'm transitioning. I am moving some things around and there's a fresh wind that is blowing even now and just as things have changed in the natural, how many of you know that over the past year and a half, we have seen major changes in the natural realm of things? And God spoke to me and he said, just as things have changed in the natural, he said there will be a change in the supernatural. And I believe that what God was saying was that, that as things have changed in the natural and they've not changed for the better, that God is saying, I'm about to make some changes in the supernatural. Uh, and God said, uh, as the darkness gets darker, my anointing is going to become greater and the light is going to become brighter. He said, because the darkness was made for the light. So I want you to understand that there's a transition that's taking place. Jesus was transitioning his disciples from, from the, the killing of a lamb until understanding that he is the lamb. All right? Just as weather patterns or seasons changing are almost always revealed by an increase of wind and a change of the wind direction, I believe that we're in a time, ladies and gentlemen, where we're going to recognize the changes that God is doing because the wind of the anointing is going to begin to change directions. We're going to begin to experience a wind of God's presence that's going to begin to move in, not only in the church, but in Walmart, in places of business. On our, on our jobs, in our schools, if, if we will understand that God is changing and there are things that are shifting, God is moving in a, in a unique way. The Bible says in Luke 22 and verse 19 that he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave to them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. So you see there's a change there. They're not, they're not eating the Passover meal like they normally used to. But Jesus is saying, this is my body. This is my body. And he, uh, he took the bread and, and gave thanks and said, this is my body. And he gave it to them saying, uh, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. His body hadn't been broken yet, but he's, he's giving them an example that I'm about to give myself on the cross of Calvary. I'm about to offer myself as a sacrifice on the cross. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So what Jesus is saying and, and illustrating to his disciples is that this body is about to be broken for you. This blood is about to be shed for you. No longer will it be the normal Passover, but now it's going to be communion with the Father. It's going to be communion with the Son through the Lord's Supper. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that in the middle of that, in the middle of one of the most awesome times in the history of the world, especially the history of the church, when Jesus is doing that, this intimate time that is sitting with his disciples, 
He's sharing his heart with them, and he's saying, guys, I'm about to be broken on the cross. I'm about to give my life for you. I'm about to shed my blood for you. In the middle of that most intimate time, there's some things that take place, and I think it's really important that we recognize what was happening. And, I, and I'm just going to paraphrase. I told you earlier uh, that, that Judas had already uh, tipped his hand to betray Jesus. Jesus had already said that uh, even in verse 21, Jesus said, uh, but behold, uh, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. Notice that, guys. Jesus had just got it out of his mouth. This is the cup. Verse 20. He said, this cup is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The next verse or the next word out of his mouth was, behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. I want you to understand something. Every time that God wants to do something beautiful, ugly will always rise up. So understand this. Understand this. Every time that there's a movement in heaven, there's a reaction in hell. If you think that you're going to get to skip on top of the mountain without some struggles, then I hate to bust your bubble. If, if you want beauty to come out of you, there's going to be some ugly that's going to happen in your life. All right? Ugly will always rise up. Not only was Judas the one that was going to betray, and, and, and I got a lot of things I want to share about Judas, but we can't do it tonight. But, but even as Judas was there, he was sitting at the table when Jesus was revealing the beauty of his body. When Jesus was revealing the revelation of a body that was going to be offered on the cross and blood that was going to be shed for the redemption of mankind, the remission of sin, even in the middle of all of that beauty, the devil is sitting at the table. But that's not all of it. If you go on down... And, and uh, look in verse 23, the Bible says that they begin to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. In other words, when Jesus said the hand of him that's going to betray me is at the table, the rest of the disciples begin to look around and say, is it, it ain't me. He's talking to you. And the Bible says they began to inquire among themselves who it was that was going to do this. But notice in verse 24, as a result of them trying to figure out who the, who the enemy was, the Bible says in verse 24 that there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Every time that God is going to do something beautiful, ugly is going to rise up. And I want to tell you something, ugly will come from the most out-of-the-way places that will blow your mind. Ugly will come from people that you would never imagine ugly would come from. And I don't know where I got ugly from, but it's just what I got, so you understand what I'm saying. Listen, 
Ugly will rise up from people that you've been walking beside for weeks, months, and years that you thought you knew them. But listen, when pressure begins to come and the devil recognizes that heaven is doing something beautiful, he will do everything he can to cause ugly to come out of people. So I want to tell you something tonight. You need to recognize, remember what I said a while ago, you need to recognize or discern the season that you're in and not allow ugly to rob you and to stop you from what God is wanting to do in your life. Listen, ugly has come from many different directions over the past several months. It's come from every angle, every, every uh, strata of our society. Ugly has risen up. Ugly has risen up by people that were close to me, that, that I thought we were close and all of that, but I've seen ugly come out of them. And, and they might have even seen some ugly come out of me. I don't know. Y'all know you got some ugly in you now. You know you do. Then, oh, pastor, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled. Yeah. You got some ugly in you. But, but I, want you to, I want you to notice. They begin to argue which of them was the greatest. And now here is Jesus, and I just want to kind of give you this. Here is Jesus that has poured his, 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 himself into them for the past several years. He's given them his blood, sweat, and tears and taught them. And now on the night that he, just hours or minutes away from him dying on the cross or being arrested and taken into a mock trial, here it seems like it's all falling apart. Can you think about this? The Bible says in the book of Mark that Jesus chose 12 disciples that they could be with him and that he could send them forth to preach. But on the night, on the eve before his death, it seems like his disciples are arguing with each other. They're fussing about who's the greatest. Judas is sitting at the table betraying him. Can you imagine what Jesus might have been thinking Man, God, I have built everything, I have built everything around these men, and now it's just all falling apart. See, I'm telling you this tonight to get you to understand that this was a time of trouble in the church. This was a time of trouble among the disciples. And it was a time of trouble with, for Jesus. And, 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 but here's the thing. Remember this. Every time God's going to do something beautiful, ugly will rise up. But I want to tell you, the devil means the ugly to destroy you. The devil wants to take the ugly and, and destroy you. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the reason that some of you over the past several weeks or months or days have thought about just giving up and laying down uh, your sword and doing something else, walking away from your calling or something like that because ugly has got you to thinking that you'll never be able to get out from under it and you'll never be able to make it. But I want to tell you something. What the devil means to steal from you and kill from you and destroy from you God said I'm going to take the ugly and I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to do something beautiful with it because about the time that the devil says I have got them Jesus steps up and says oh no you don't understand what I'm doing you don't understand the, 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 uh, the playbook because I'm about to change the playbook Now listen, there's a purpose for your trouble. And I'm talking to two sets of people tonight. I'm talking to people that, that your actions, your attitude, and your decisions have created trouble for you. And then I'm talking to one or two no, I'm talking, I'm talking to some more that trouble just came. 
All right? So listen. The trouble with me is that I fail to realize that my trouble is directly related to my potential. Now keep your eyes on all the mess that's going on here in, in chapter 22. And understand this, that the trouble that you're going through is directly tied to or related to the potential that God has in you. What the devil meant for your destruction, God will turn it around and make it for his glory. All right, so, so listen. Here's the thing about trouble. Trouble always, always reveals weakness. Trouble exposes the things in my life that would rob me of my potential. Now put a pen right there, and I want to I share this with you. Twelve disciples, including Judas, which would later be taken out of the picture, but here are the disciples. Here are the disciples that would be responsible for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to an entire world. All right? Among this group is Peter, James, which wrote the Gospel of James, John, which wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, which wrote the Gospel of Matthew, Luke, which wrote the Gospel of Luke, and the Acts according to the Apostles. And, 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 and here's these men that are sitting around, and they're all in the mix of this struggle and this trouble. I hope you get this. While they're sitting there arguing about who is the greatest, and while they're trying to figure out who it is that's going to deny Jesus, Jesus is standing there looking and saying, if you could only see the potential that rest upon you. If you can only see the weight of the glory that is resting upon your life. If you can only recognize the responsibility that is going to rest upon your shoulder. If you could only understand the anointing that's going to come out of you, that's going to touch an entire generation, millions and millions of people. And while you're sitting here arguing and trouble is going on all around you, Jesus is standing there saying, oh, but if you could only see what I see, if you could only understand what I'm looking at, because I'm looking at Peter, who's going to preach a message after the day of Pentecost that 3,000 plus souls are going to be saved. I'm looking at a man named John that's going to, that's going to give his life uh, for the cause of the gospel. I'm looking at James that's going to write the gospel of James and it's going to impact thousands and millions of people. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The trouble with your potential is that your potential always draws trouble. Mom and dad, that you've got children, and you teach them, you raise them up, you lead them in the path of righteousness, and they stray away, have you ever thought about that the trouble that they're in is because of the potential that they possess? And instead of giving in to the trouble, recognize the potential is because of the trouble is because of their potential. None of us in here tonight will ever be able to reach our full potential until we deal with trouble. Because here's the thing, and I'm getting to the place, and I'm fixing to, to uh, wind it up. 
Here's the thing. Is that God uses trouble. On this night, on this eve before the crucifixion, God had already established it. Judas was the one that was going to betray the Son of God. It had already been established. It was going to happen. But Jesus used this time and this event with his disciples because he looked at his disciples and he saw things in their lives that had they stayed in their lives, it would rob them of their ability to spread the gospel throughout the world. Jesus looked into the eyes of his disciples, and as, and as this was, was boiling out, this, I'm better than you are, or I'm the greatest. He likes me better than he does you, and, and, and I'm going to be the favorite and all that. All of that jealousy and all that internal strife and all that stuff was boiling out, and Jesus was standing there watching all the junk boil out. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that, that silver has to go, come into a high heat uh, so that the, growth, the dross will rise and the silver will come to the bottom. And Jesus was watching all this take place, and he was saying, uh, I, I've got to deal with this stuff in you in order for my potential to come out of you. And here's the thing, in, in verse 31 of Luke chapter 22, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. So here's the key right here. Satan has desired to have you. And if you look at that word you, if you look it up and study it, it's, it's plural. He's talking about all of them, not only Simon Peter, but he's talking about all of them. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has, de behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So I want you to notice something, that Jesus said, Simon Peter, Satan has desired, Satan has petitioned to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That sifting is a shaking, getting rid of all the contaminants, getting rid of all the stuff that's not any value, and coming up with a pure meal Jesus said specifically to Simon Peter the devil has tagged you to sift you as wheat but Jesus said this he said but I have prayed for you even before the battle started Jesus said I've already prayed Peter said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So here's the thing. Jesus saw things in his disciples that would rob them of their purpose. The reason that you and I go through trouble and struggles is that God is getting things out of us. So here's the thing to ask yourself the question, is the, is the battles that I've had to fight over the past year and a half, months, weeks, whenever, are the battles that I've fought, have they made me better or have they made me bitter? See, there's only an I and E difference. Your battle will either make you bitter or it will make you better. If it makes you bitter, you're blaming everybody around you for this, the state that you're in. If it makes you better, you understand that God's going to take me through this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to be better than I've ever been before. So don't allow your battle to make you bitter. 
Let your battle make you better. Satan, in the midst of all this, saw an opportunity to rob, to kill, and destroy, to stop the mission that Jesus had, had worked for. So understand, there's a war going on in the middle of your trouble. The devil is trying to use it to his advantage, but God is saying, I've already prayed for you. I've already interceded for you. What you're going through is not going to destroy you because I've already spoken out of my mouth that when you're converted, not if you're converted, uh, maybe so or might be or whatever, Jesus said, Peter, I've already prayed for you, and when you are converted, I want you to strengthen your brethren. See, you got to pay attention to the little words in Scripture because it's not a maybe-so thing when it comes to relationship with God. It is a thing that's already been settled. Jesus said, I've already prayed for you. I've already interceded. Before you ever uh, utter a word out of your mouth that you don't even know who I am, Jesus said, I've already interceded for you. Before the cock even wakes up in the morning and thinks about crowing, I've already prayed for you, son. I've already stood in the gap for you, and I've already asked the Father to bring help to you. See, Jesus had already set limits in the battle before the battle even started. All right. I'm getting there, guys. We're fixing the clothes. So Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for you. And when you're strengthened or converted, I want you to go and strengthen your brethren. So here's the thing. The trouble that was happening that night, the trouble that was going on in Peter's life, was that God was saying, I've got to get this out of you. I've got to bring you down to a place of humility and brokenness that I can use you for my glory. Could it be that, that all the stuff that's been going on, the pandemic, all the social unrest, all this stuff that's been going on around us, uh, could it be that God is saying to the church, I'm trying to bring you to a place where you recognize there's some things coming out of you that should have never been in you to start with. I'm trying to get you to recognize that there's an attitude in you that's coming out of you that you should have gotten rid of a long time ago. In other words, what God is saying, I've been taking the church while we've been fussing and, and bickering and, and blaming and, and pointing fingers and all that. God is saying, I'm taking the church through a time of deliverance. I'm, I'm rebuking the devil. I'm, I'm casting the devil out of some of the people in the body of Christ and getting them to understand that there's some things in them that should have never been allowed to stay there. But on the other side, when I get you on the other side, don't worry about it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to destroy you because I've already set limits on your battle and the devil can only only go so far and I'm going to shut him down so don't worry about whether or not you're going to win or lose the victory belongs to you I'm going to raise you up and when you come out on the other side you're going to come out with a greater anointing because I'm pushing some junk out of your life so that the anointing of God can begin to flow see here's the things Peter went on, and to make a long story short, you know the story. Peter denied Jesus three times. He got around the wrong crowd. So, and I really believe this. I believe some things came out of Peter that Peter didn't even know that were in him. He got around the wrong crowd at the wrong time in the wrong place. And things began to come out of Peter that he didn't know was there. Have you ever had that happen? Man, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know, oh, I didn't know that was there. I'll never forget the night years ago uh, regarding one of my children. 
a young, uh, a, an individual brought uh, one of my daughters home drunk. He was. And Holy Spirit told me to stay on the porch. You remember that. We talked about it. Holy Spirit said, stay on the porch. Don't get off the porch. I got off the porch. And before I knew what I was doing, I had that individual on the hood of the truck by the neck. With, with my hand drew back. And the Lord said, you better stop right now. You see, God's got a way. That was on a, by the way, that was on a Saturday or Sunday morning about 1.30 in the morning. And I had to get up that morning and preach to you. You see, here's the thing. We talk about that Jesus is preparing a bride that is spotless. We talk about that, that he's preparing a spotless uh, bride and, and that we're going to have a robe without spot and blemish and we do all that. But yet there are things in our lives that we don't recognize that we need to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. There's attitudes, listen, there are people that are going to listen to this message that you've got an attitude in your life, and that is the reason that you wind up on the bottom end of everything that happens because your stinking attitude messes you up. And God is giving you a word tonight. Submit the attitude to Him and let Him take it out because it is ugly and it's causing you trouble, but I don't want the trouble to destroy you I don't want the ugly to mess you up I want to get you out of it so that I can raise you up so I believe that Peter found himself in a position that that surprised him but here's the thing Despite Peter's failure, despite this, this epic failure on Peter's part, while the others doubted the resurrection of Jesus, Peter was the first one to jump up and run to the tomb. Listen, listen. Here's, here's, here's the victory, guys. Here's the victory. I don't care how dark your night is, and I don't care how strong the battle is against you, and I don't care what kind of warfare you've been fighting, and I don't care how, how, how bad you feel condemned. I don't care if you, if you can't hold your head up. I don't care if you think that the world is against you and that you're the lowest scum on the face of the planet and that you're no value and God can never do anything for you and you don't even deserve the good of God and the mercy of God I want to tell you something tonight and I want to plant this deep in your spirit don't let the enemy get you to the place to where you sit there and doubt with everybody else be like Peter and say hey I'm gonna get up and run to the tomb listen Peter had to run to the tomb that day knowing that I'm the one that said, I don't know this man. He had to run to the tomb that day knowing that I'm the one that three times I denied him. I, he had to run to the tomb knowing that he had turned his back on Jesus and all of that. He had to run to the tomb with the echo of the rooster crowing in his head. But he ran to the tomb. That is my victory. That I don't care what hell throws at me. I'm going to run to the place where Jesus might be. You know what I think? I think Peter said, perhaps, maybe so, hope so, Jesus will be there. 
And I'm not even going to the place where Jesus looked at Peter. When Jesus looked, I'm not even going to go there because we'll be here another 15 minutes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 6, this is, this is the verse that I call the Peter moments. Peter moments. Mark chapter 16 and verse 6. Because when, when Mary Magdalene and uh, the ladies came and said, uh, the tomb is empty, he, he's not there, uh, the Bible says that all the other disciples sat there and they doubted uh, what the ladies were saying, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb. There's a place that we get that I've got to do something. I've got to make a move. I've got, to, I've got to make some steps. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 16 and verse 6. And, it's, and uh, he said unto them, the angel said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But look at verse 7. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Why would, why would Mark say this? Why would Mark put that in there? Go tell his disciples. That would cover all of them. Why would he put... And Peter. Because Jesus was letting Peter know, I had your back before you went into this battle, and I've still got you on my mind. Even though you messed up, even though you've done some dirty things there, son, I have still got you on my mind. It would be like me looking at, at uh, this, this, this row right here, since I can remember all y'all's names. And, and, uh, and, and I would look at, at uh, Sister Sherry, and I'd say, Sister Sherry, uh, you're invited to our house uh, for dinner. Sister Sherry, you and Sister Debbie are invited to our house for dinner and Brother Jesse. See, what I'm doing is that I'm inviting both of you, but I'm emphasizing the fact that I want Brother Jesse there. So when the angel said, go and tell his disciples, that was a general thing, all the disciples. But when he said, and Peter he was stressing the fact that I want you to make sure that you let Peter know that I'm going into Galilee. Which leads us to this. Which leads us to this. Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day with these words while I was looking at this. Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, son... You will find me where I found you. Catch this. You will find me where I found you. You see, Jesus found us before we found him. So when things get tough and the struggle gets long, we go back to the place where he found me. To make a long story short, the Bible says that Jesus found Simon Peter by the Lake Genesaret or the Sea of Galilee. Actually, that's where Jesus found Peter to start with. 
Peter was washing the nets. He had been toiling all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus walked up and said, hey, can I borrow your boat? Pushed out. He got out in, in, in the deep, and Jesus said, let your nets down. Peter let his nets down. They had to drag uh, the, the, the nets were about to break as they drug them in. Jesus looked at Peter and said, uh, Peter, James, and John, and said, you're going to follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. The Bible says that after the resurrection of Jesus, in the book of uh, John chapter 21 and verse 7, that uh, the, none of the disciples had seen Jesus, but they were out fishing. You see, Peter went back to fishing. And the Bible says that Jesus appeared to them on the shore. John chapter 21 and verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it, heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Things have a way of coming around where Jesus found Peter the first time, Peter found Jesus the second time. And that's where Jesus restored Peter and said, Simon, do you love me? So here's the thing, guys. Guys, if y'all can, Sister Sandy, can, can you go ahead and give us some, some music? Here's the thing. What God did in Peter and what happened that night with the disciples was to prepare them to preach to the world. So what if tonight what is happening in your life and what you've been dealing with in your life and what you've been going through in your life, what if it is simply to get you ready to declare the message of the gospel to somebody. You see, the Bible says this, and I, and I told you this a little bit a while ago. Proverbs 25 and verse 4 says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. In other words, take the impurities out of the silver, and there'll come forth a metal that's good to be fashioned into something beautiful. So here's the thing, guys, that I believe that God is wanting us to understand tonight. Yeah, you've been in some battles and you've been going through some struggles and you've been dealing with some issues. But rather than, than looking at it from the point that the devil's trying to kill you, look at it from the point that God's trying to pur purify your life to get you to the place to where you can be a vessel of honor for him. So I believe tonight that the only way that we can achieve breakthrough in our lives is if we recognize the battle that's going on. And we recognize the season that we're in and what God is wanting to do in our lives.